Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Terms show, I sit down with Femi Joda to walk through his Your Life, Your Terms journey. This guy was working out the gym, moving a ton of weight, didn't want to interrupt him, but later on, I think it was the next day or a couple weeks later maybe, I ended up chatting with him, and I discovered that he quit his corporate job, and he starts this entrepreneurial journey using plantains to launch this business that he started right here in the greater Toronto area, and actually he can supply people with this product right across Canada and North America. Wait till you hear what he's up to. And I love these uh, stories. To me, they are very inspirational. Before I quit my job, if I understood that other people around me were going through the same journey, I think it would have been a little bit less lonely. No one explained to Nick and I that Becoming an entrepreneur is a very lonely position. Your friends and family don't really know the struggles and emotional roller coaster that you're on. So I think sharing these stories is really helpful to get the word out there that there's people all around us right here in the city who are quitting their job and starting their own journey. And that's what exactly Femi is doing here. So we wanted to dive into all of it. Why did he choose what he's doing? A little bit about his background. You know, why is he into fitness the way he's in, in um, into that area of his life? What are the principles? that he lives by and that's what we do on this particular episode and listen if you are listening to this and you want to hang around other people in the greater Toronto area like Femi who are taking action that's what we've tried to do with Rockstar Inner Circle and three times a year Rockstar Inner Circle members are invited to these large events that we put on the next one is coming up at the end of the summer and these are this is your opportunity to hang out with other action takers right here in the greater Toronto area and for myself and Nick it really took going to things like that chatting with other people who were doing things that we didn't think possible to give us the confidence to do it ourselves. So sometimes you can read all the books that you want to read or watch all the videos on a subject that you want to watch, but it really takes meeting someone in person, having a quick conversation to inspire you or to give you the confidence to take action for yourself. And that's just one of the things that we do with the Rockstar Inner Circle uh, membership. It's offered these Your Life, Your Terms events. The next one is coming up at the end of the summer and it's absolutely stacked. So if you want to join a membership of people are doing things together like this, you can check out all the benefits of becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are recording with Femi Joda. Am I pronouncing your last name properly? Joda. Joda. Yes. And that that last name is from Nigeria. Correct. Family's from Nigeria. Yes, we are. You still have family in Nigeria? I do. Yeah. So- um yeah, my parents are still there. They are also Canadian citizens, so they come, they're usually here also maybe say half of the year, and they have also ties back in Nigeria, so they usually go back as well. So were your parents born here and then went back to Nigeria? Oh, no. Or no, they were born in Nigeria, came here, got status. Yes. So how, we were talking about this briefly. So <laughs> how, where were you? You weren't born here, though. I wasn't born here. I okay. was born in London, England. And then your parents moved back to Nigeria? Yes, I feel like it was just a brief thing. So my mom was there just to give birth to me and my sister. And after she had given birth to us, we moved back to Nigeria. And I was there up until I was 15 and then moved to Canada at the time. Holy shit. 
15 that's tough like you're coming as a teenager to a brand new country how was yeah. that so you were leaving friends behind in nigeria then yeah what was that transition like i mean i guess for someone being born here I guess I reflect back on my teenage years and I thought maybe some of it was difficult, but maybe it was rather easy compared to what you went through. Mm-hmm. How was that transition, leaving some friends behind and then coming here? Where did you, like, where did you go to school? Hamilton uh, is a college called Columbia International College. It's a private school. I did my grade 12 there. Oh my gosh, I think I know that school. That school's right by McMaster University, yes. no? Yes, you're right, yes. It's on Main Street. Okay, yes. yeah. Yeah. That's where you went? That's where I went. Wow. Yeah. And so how was that school? It was, it was good. I mean, you can tell there, us the truth. Yeah, no, <laughs> good to know. Um, it was great. It, there's, well, it's a private school. And I think one of the things that helped me assimilate better was that there were other students who were from either Nigeria or other countries mm. in Africa. And even I'd say globally as well, too. There was tons of international students that went to that school. And so I feel like I found people who I could relate with, even when I moved here, um, they were easy to talk to. We could easily get along. We had similar backgrounds, similar stories. So I think that helped me adjust a lot mm. quicker than if I just came into the country and maybe I went to a school where we didn't have, maybe say, um, mixed cultures, et cetera, right? So I think that was one thing that helped me out during that process. And honestly, it was fun. You know, I was I was by myself here, I had freedom as well, so I think I like that aspect of. You so your know, parents weren't here. They weren't here, no, because the goal was to send me here to school to get a better education. Mm. That was like I think the number one key reason for. Oh, coming got here. it. So that was an intentional decision by their part: get educated here, yes. but then come back to Nigeria. I think that was what they were thinking. Okay. Um, but then one thing leads to another thing, and then opportunities open up, right? And I think this was now in two thousand and nine or ten they then applied for permanent residency. I think there was an opening, there was something that came up in the immigration policy that I think was a sound sort of investment to come here and to get papers, right? To get your residency and everything. And so they did that in 2009. And then I think it took about maybe two years or so, or about a year and a half. In 2011, we got landed, we became landed immigrants and we got our papers, we got our permanent residency and I've just been here ever since. And at the time, though, I was in school. I was doing my undergrad at York. And so, like, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be here for a lot longer than four years. That just seems wild to me. Undergrad at York, landing in Hamilton from Nigeria. Like, that just feels like a culture shock of culture shocks. Like, that seems wild to me. So you go to school there. You get in at York. You go to York. And then what happens? You start working here. You get jobs. Yeah. So, I mean, back then it was funny. It was was rough. But then I've, I've been through rougher things. So, like, even that feels like it was nothing. But, of course, I got there to the job market. You know, I started applying. So, what year is this? This is 2013. So 10 years ago, I graduated from university. Um, feels like a lifetime ago. Um, so yeah, I get a job. My first job was working at Hertz, the car rental. Um, it was tough. <laughs> it was a grind. I was like doing everything. I was um, by the counter, you know, issuing out new contracts, rental contracts, washing cars in the back, you know, dropping off vehicles, dropping off customers as well, picking them up, back, bringing them back into the store, everything you could think of. I think the one good thing there was I had a great manager and I was also given the chance to learn more about the business, right? Mm. It wasn't just do the work, yeah, do the work, do the work. It was great exposure then, yeah. So I got, and I was what, 21, maybe 22? 
Oh, valuable, got, valuable yeah, at that age, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. I got great mm-hmm. business exposure there. Um, though it was hard, I was working maybe like 60 hours a week too at the time, but I was like, you know what, this is, this is good stuff that could last as a skill that I could, that could, I could use for years to come, right? And we're seeing that unfold today. And so I did that for about eight months or so, and then I moved into the financial services industry. I got a job at a company called Invesco, and they're an asset management firm based um, here in Toronto, also in the US too, but also they have a presence here in Toronto. And I was working as a client service representative, you know, taking phone calls, inbound contact center type of job. And there was you know different pace, of course, um, different industry too. But I feel like there I was able to like sort of hone my craft in that financial services space because I took economics in school with a bit of finance. And so um, I learned so much about the investing space in mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera and got promotions, you know, I was there for about four years, but I always knew that I wanted to go on to do my MBA. That was something I think I felt I came across in 2012. And so I was kind of working towards that, doing the GMAT, you know, studying, prepping for all that stuff. And then in fast forward to 2018, I got accepted into UBC. And so this was me now, been in Toronto for about what, Ten years at the time, I think, right? Yeah, ten years, and now moving to Vancouver for school. I was like, you know what? Might as well, because I hadn't been to Vancouver before. I've always wanted to go. Holy shit! And I was like, this is not just even a chance to visit. I could actually live there. Also, I was like, you know what? Signed, done. Let's go. And so, 2018 summer, I packed my bags, um, fly off to Vancouver for another. Family, parents are still here. You're still here. In this yes. area. Yes. Your brothers or sisters in this area? A sister, yes. Sister. Yeah. But then you leave. You're like, screw it. I'm going to yeah, UBC. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to UBC. And uh, yeah, I was there for about 16 to 18 months. Um, had a great time. A lot happened, though. Um, one, of course. Well, let me just back up a little bit. So when I was going into <coughs> UBC, I went in with the uh, thought that I wanted to go pursue management consulting after I was done the MBA program. That was my path going forward. And so I think maybe say first month and a half or so into the program, I was like, ah, not sure if that's what I really want to do with my life, you know, as far as a career goes. And so I was like, let me try human capital consulting instead, you know, go that human capital, human resource approach. And so I took a few courses there and I was like, "Uh, okay, you know what? Mm, I want to do, I want to try entrepreneurship. That didn't just stumble upon me though, because the idea for this came 10 years ago also. So, so mention this for people who don't know yet. So this is uh, Dodo, Dodo Foods Inc. This is my business that I have right now. We launched about a year, and a year, a few months, a few, year about two months ago. Um, and we're, you know, just trying to make things work now. We, well, here's our focus though. We specialize in creating plantain-based products that are nutritious, high in value, and good for your body. And we want to do that and just make it grow as big as possible outside the Canada, even across, you know, the globe. And the reason that you have this knowledge is because you're in Nigeria or back home, you were growing up eating plantains? Yeah, growing up. I because was, here I feel like it's a still a specialty market, niche market. It if is. you don't have that in your background, you probably, like I, I don't come across plantains too often. And then hearing your passion for them when I stumbled into your converse, into that conversation at the gym, like, holy shit, what am I missing here? So this was the entrepreneurial call for you. Yes. And then what can you tell us then 
So I want to dive into this, but you're at UBC. And so th that's the realization that you're not going to pursue any sort of next corporate job. Correct. And then yeah. you, put, you came back here. Yes. But before I came <coughs> back here, though, um, we had four months in the summer of 2019 to either do an internship or an entrepreneurial project at UBC. And so I was like, huh, I've had this idea of like, you know, starting a business, you know, doing something with plantains since 2013 haven't really scratched that itch yet and i'm like this is a chance i get four months no distractions no interruptions nothing just focus on seeing if this actually makes business sense and i was like hey screw the internship screw getting paid i'll do this instead and so that was where i sort of dug deep and i was like you know what we're doing marketing research business plan like everything um and so i spent those four months in the summer um again doing those things I spoke to potential clients while I was there um, on campus, off campus, um, did market research, of course, did a marketing plan and a business case to see if this actually makes business sense. And so ah, I also did product development, too. That's the key thing. So I worked with the UBC professor in the food science depart department um, to see, OK, like how could we actually make frozen plantains? Because let me even take you back further. So the reason why we were thinking of this is, like you said, I think most people here don't really know about plantains. You do go grocery shopping and you go in there, the produce aisle, you see there's you see bananas. Them. Like right? I see them. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what do I do with them? Ex that's exactly right. Yes. You know, and I think there just isn't that education or awareness about what these are. And I think that's a huge opportunity to, you know, educate the market to like bring something to light. Cause again, I grew up eating these like what, four or five times a week. So for me, it's a staple though. When I moved here, I couldn't find readily available plantains that were ripe and ready mm -hmm. to eat. The ones you probably see at the Got store it. are usually green. Think of a banana. Like if it's green, you don't want to like peel and eat. Like it's still starchy. It's just not sweet. Similar to a plantain as well. When it's green, some people eat it when it's green, but you have to like cook it in different ways to you know make it more digestible. But typically, most folks that I know eat it when it's a little bit riper, when it's maybe yellowish, greenish yellow, or even like yellowish black as well on the sweeter side. And so I was like, why is it that I just can't find ripe plantains? Because at home, like you just, they're, every, they're yeah. everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was like, so a friend, of my, a friend and I were just thinking about this. This was back in 2013. And we're like, if we can have frozen bananas, frozen strawberries, frozen fruits and vegetables, why can't we just flash freeze plantains when they're ripe at that texture? Mm. And that was how the idea was born, really, just, just like that. And it wasn't, okay, let's just go and create this. It was, let's even see if this even exists anywhere, like if there's frozen plantains at the store that we just don't know of. And we, did our, we just checked, none, there was nothing. I feel like there were only two companies that were doing something similar to what we're doing now. They were based in the U.S., they, you couldn't find them in Canada. Like they were not in any stores in the GTA from what we found anyways. And so we're like, hey, like this presents an opportunity to actually create something and take this to market. And so we're working hand in hand, we did our research work and everything, but we just didn't go out and execute. So that's why there's that, you know, from the idea to like actually doing this, there's that time frame. And of course, life gets in the way, right? So we're like, ah, well, we just finished from school. You just graduated in 2013. Okay, get a job, you know, work, work, work. And, you know, things kind of like fall by the wayside until I was like, nah, not, not anymore. Like, let's do this. And so how did you work with somebody at UP, UBC to figure out to approach vendors, I guess? Like, how did you go through that product development life cycle? 
Like, where are you sourcing these right now? How did, the, how did that come to So, I mean, then it was just more like, let's just do a test and experiment to see how you can actually flash freeze them. So I would just go to the grocery store, pick up a couple of plantains and just- and you would know, try it. And try exactly, yes. And it was interesting because one of the things that I learned through that process, like working with a professor, like, you know, he was a great person and he had the right skills and knowledge, but what he taught me was a theoretical framework of how to flash freeze fruits and vegetables that would not be applicable to plantains. So we did try it out, you know, a couple of times during my time at UBC. One thing I kept on seeing was that it just had a different taste. Like it didn't taste like an actual plantain because there were a few other steps involved in that process of flash freezing that didn't have to be. Hmm. And so that sort of like changes and modifies the taste of the texture of the plantain. And I was like, this isn't a product I can, you know, take to market or stand behind because it just does not taste like plantains. And so anyways, I finished my program at UBC end of 2019, moved back here uh, January 2020, 2020. Um, <laughs> and then I started approaching um, kitchen facilities to see, okay, like, you know, where could I actually get this done? Where could I actually produce here in the GTA? And I came across one um, just east of Toronto. And I was like, hey, this is the idea that I'm trying to get to. We've done a few tests, but didn't come out as expected. How can we rework this? You know, how can we like maybe just find different ways or different techniques to flash freeze without changing the texture or the taste of the plantain? And he gave me like one simple insight and that was it. We tried it out like a trial run and boom, it was like perfect, the exact same taste. So like fresh, frozen, no difference. Awesome. And yeah. is that what's in the smoothie that I'm drinking right now? Frozen, frozen ones that you put yes, in here? Correct. Because it is a nice texture. I think there's an, a different flavor. I drink a lot of smooth smoothies with strawberries, blueberries, bananas. But I can tell this is slightly different. Yeah. The taste is different. And I don't fully know how to describe it. <laughs> but it is like a banana taste. But there, it's, I don't know if you're saying milder. I, I originally said richer. Like there's just a different taste to it that's quite nice. Yes. So now that you have this... Now it's like kind of going to market with this thing. I guess, you know, there's part of me that thinks an entrepreneurial journey can be difficult if you're trying to lead with education because you're trying to teach people. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. here's about my, uh, here's my product. Here's what I'm offering. And I have to, you know, they're not buying this naturally here in this area. So how are you mm -hmm. kind of finding that experience so far? And what are you doing to get the word out? Right. We're doing a lot of things, but like to that point, you know, it's something one of my other professors too, who I worked with at UBC said, he was like, this is a great idea, but the uphill battle is that education and the awareness. And he was like, if you're willing to stick out that grind, I think you could actually do something big with this. And I'm seeing that today, like, you know, like people just don't know what it is, right? So it's like, we gotta lead with education. And so I think one of the easier ways to do is sampling, mm. right? Here, yeah, because once you have it, yeah, you're yeah. like, holy smokes, I'll once have another. You taste, yeah, once you yeah. taste it, then you're like, okay, this is good, like, what's this? And then you start asking, as a consumer, you then ask questions, mm -hmm. right? And then I can then say, okay, you know what? Put this in like your smoothie, maybe fry this up with some coconut oil, you know, pair it up with like rice and beans. Mm, fry it up with know, coconut oil. Yeah. Got it. Right? Like give it a more yeah. tropical flavor yeah. if yeah. you want yeah. to, right? Um, you know, fry it with eggs for breakfast, you know, mm. put it as toppings on pancakes. Like there's different things you could mm. do with plantains. But it's just, again, creating that education. And so one of the things, I wish I brought my package here as well. One of the things we have on our new package that we launched about a month ago is recipes on the back. 
Oh, smart. So like easy step-by-step recipes you could follow. So if you see it in the grocery store, you just pick it up, turn the back. Oh, there's a few recipes here, plus a QR code um, that links to the recipe page on our website, again, to just show you how else to use it at home. And I think that's one of the ways we're trying to drive and create that awareness too. Of course, through our social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, just putting out more recipes and content about how to use the product. So since 2020, this has been a full-time effort for you, correct? No. So, 20, so I mean, 2020 was uh, an interesting year. Yeah. <laughs> for, for all, all of us. us yeah. Right? yeah. And so it's funny, <laughs> me thinking back to this now that you asked the question, when I came, when I came back to Toronto, I was just gonko and going full, full, full on on this, right, on the business. And you know, thank thank God for my family. I love them to bits. But they're like, "Hey, you just went out there. You spent money. You just got an MBA. Like, go get a job. You know, get, go get a high paying job. Make like, some money, right? Make some money, right? You know." And I see their point, but that was just so fired up too. And I mean, I took their advice, of course. I got a job, but then I was intentional about the kind of job I got. So um, I was applying around, looking for something that I thought would be a good fit for me and give me, again, skills that I could use long term. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking of skills, acquiring skills. And I came across this job at a bank, CIBC. Um, it was a product manager role where you'd be helping small businesses. Mm-hmm. I love small business. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's what I do, right? And so I was like, you know what? Creating financial products and services to better uh, an entrepreneur's life, it sits well with me. It makes so much sense. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply for this job. And long story short, I got the job. I was working there um, since 2020 to just the end of 2022. But while I was there, like I learned so much about like the industry, banking, you know, creating financial tools that can help small businesses, which would eventually help me as well too. So I kind of got the inside scoop on, you know, what to do and how to like run my business, you know, to make it have financial sense and stability if I was to go approach the bank for a loan or for some credit from credit um, funding. And um, while I was there, I loved that job. I loved everything that we did because, again, we were helping small businesses. Mm. And again, this was a time where businesses were hurting, hurting, it, yeah. right? So, so bad. And there was a lot we did there to help them as well, to just, you know, even just stay open and just stay, um, have some sort of cash flow coming in as well. Um, but I knew ultimately at some point I wanted to focus on the business. And so I was like, when is that going to happen? Fast forward from 2022, <coughs> 2022. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna still work here, but try to launch this business somehow. You know, I just can't stand still. And so um, I go on Shopify, launch a website. I create a website on Shopify. And also backstory to that. So I've been an entrepreneur for a while. Um, back in 2017 and 2018, I tried drop shipping. Not sure if you're familiar. Okay, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did drop shipping. So I did, I had, you know. Everybody goes that. down their drop shipping path at some point. Oh my gosh, I can sell product and I don't have to deal with it. Right. I'll start. This is the best is business it? ever. Yeah, 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 I know, right? So <laughs> I did that a few, uh, about two years, 2017, 2018. And so I got the skills of how to like build a website and just, you know, run ads, yeah. that kind of thing. Huge skills. Huge, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so I was able to use that in building my business um, website for Dodo Foods. And so I did that uh, quarter one of Q1 of 2022. And I launched in April of 2022. And, you know, when big blast. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's uh, April 2022 has really been the big launch. Yeah. Good for you. So this is a baby for you right now. It is. Yeah. This is the hard part, man. This is to get momentum in this business. You're in the thick of things right now. Yeah. And it's interesting that the skills that you've picked up along the way, 
I think everything from almost just your school being dropped into a different country and having to survive that. But then you were daring enough to go out to UBC kind of on your own. You started a drop shipping business and you learned skills about website development. Right. All of this is kind of like the raw material you need to launch something, to, you know, to give you the confidence to do it. Absolutely. You worked with small businesses at the bank. So everything's kind of lining up really nicely for you. I'm just trying to brainstorm on how to get the education out there about right. plantains and how to cook them, how to eat them, to just educate that market for you. But I guess um, from April, how do you start approaching things? Because I think you mentioned to me you're in farmer's markets and stuff like that. Yes. Is that, so that was one of the things you started to do right away last summer, I guess? That was just this year. So oh, that was this most year. of our efforts have just happened in the last, say, three, four months. Oh, awesome. Okay. Last year was, you know, just get just get it out there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like stop hanging onto this thing for a mm -hmm. while. Just get it out there and start something, right? And so that was what last year was all about from April to, I guess, December. But then even like by June, so I guess two months into our launch last year, I was like, you know what? Like two, the first two months were successful. Like we were getting sales. People were like, we were excited. We got good feedback. From the, the website, product. are you getting sales? Yes, okay. from the website, right? Okay. And I was like, this is great. But then come July, things started to fall. Like sales were declining. I'm like, Summer, no. yeah. Yeah, but then also like, I just didn't have the time or I didn't get the time to actually, you know, push it out there, market it, you know, mm -hmm. just go out there and sell. I wasn't doing that because again, I was focusing on my full-time job at the time. Um, don't want to give excuses, but that was just the case. Sure. Right. And I was like, I can do this because also I have aspirations to either climb the corporate ladder or focus on this and just grind this out. And I was like, what would I rather do more? Like, what do I really, really mm -hmm. want? Mm -hmm. And I asked myself that question and I kind of think I knew, I always knew what the answer was, but you know, you just got to like- It's obvious talking yeah. to you what the answer is. Yeah. <laughs> right, I think yeah. now it's obvious, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and anyways, I was like, you know what, this is this is what I want to do, this, this business. This is just what I want to go out there and execute on. And so I remember in August of 2022, I approached my boss and I was like, hey, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to say my goodbyes. I'm oh leaving. shit. However, I'm gonna leave at the end of the year. So I give you know the bank four months notice. I, we worked well to transition everything off and it was great. And we have a great relationship, like me and my colleagues, my boss and everyone that I worked with. So they were receptive to that? First, like yeah. from, from the day I was hired, I told my boss and my boss's boss that when they asked me like, oh, five years from now, what do you wanna do? I'm like, my own business. So they knew and so my VP said, he, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. You know, and that was kind of good to see and to hear because they knew I was definitely in on this and I was for the long haul and just running the business. And so when I, you know, told my boss, he was like, yeah, you know what? This doesn't come as a surprise that he knew it was eventually gonna happen sooner than later even. And so anyways, we transitioned things off, you know, December comes around, I say my goodbyes. January comes, I'm like, let's go. And so we start off with a huge event, the Toronto Food and Drink Festival that happened in March of this year. Oh, awesome. That was a big event. It was downtown Toronto. Like we got lots of customers there, you know, like people just- Great. Again, creating that awareness, mm -hmm. right? Just to be mm -hmm. out there in people's faces like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. Come check us out. And so we had that. And then this was our first summer doing like mar farmer's markets, things like that. We have a few events also from July up until August, just again, creating the awareness, just creating the buzz, just showing people, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about, plantains and plantain-based products. And that's taken off now. Like we're, we're seeing some sales boost. The market is great because now we could actually give out samples. We could do testers. Yeah. We could sell direct right there without having to come to the website if you don't want to, you know? So we're, get, we're creating more avenues and ways to, you know, 
get customers, acquire new customers, mm-hmm. get distribution also, and just grow the, the brand. So when we were starting this business, we didn't have a database of our own customers to try to advertise to or market to. So we went to some mortgage brokers that we had experience with who already trusted us and said, and we told them, hey, we're starting this business about real estate. We want to help investors. No one's really helping investors. Now every, every real estate person helps investors. But back in like 2006, 2007, nobody was. So we said, mm-hmm. could you, you have a list of clients. You trust us already. Right. Can you send out this mailer to all of your database endorsing us and saying this is kind of great stuff and come and check us out and we held like a free training class for anyone who wanted to learn how to buy a student rental by mcmaster that's why i know where you went to school i've owned student rentals in that area forever i used to drive by that school i'm like what's going on in that school who are those kids what's happening um i was in that school you were in that school i probably drove right by you but um anyway so uh so then we would you know lead with education as our business that was our approach like hey you've probably heard bad things about owning student rentals come out to our class and we will tell you about student rentals and teach you about them and how they're actually not really bad at all i was just speaking to a friend of mine who's owned a student rental for 30 years never had a missed rent check because all the students 30 years because all the students are usually backed by their parents Right. You know, so usually if you have students in there, you're getting paid. You're good. Mm-hmm. You know, you are, are you going to have to deal with the odd party, the odd thing? Yes. But that's kind of easier, in my opinion, to deal with than chasing someone who hasn't paid in six months, maybe. And you have to deal with the landlord tenant board. That can get rather mm-hmm. complicated. Not complicated. Just it's usually a pain. It's not complicated. Um, so we would lead with education. So I guess my point is, I wonder where you could go. Like, I wonder if there's like, an, you know, is there is there is there a Nigerian community in Toronto that already has a big list of people who already know who you don't even have to educate because they right. grew up eating plantains and you can go to them and say, hey, here I am here doing this. Can you broadcast? Our, and I'm sure you've had all these thoughts already or to some like celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity chef in Toronto and say, you know, say, Hey, I want to share like a new ingredient to your community. Right. You'd be willing to do that. And I can kind of offer some education in the area. I'm basically trying to figure out how you can get onto somebody else's audience or someone else's database of clients to broadcast what you're doing. Cause then you don't have to spend the money mm-hmm. to acquire the attention. They already have the attention. Right. Right. And so for us, it was lawyers, accountants, mortgage brokers. I'm wondering who it would be for you to start leveraging, to get, spread the word. I think you're right to so like food influencers, right? Like on Instagram, on social yeah. media, basically. Yeah. Like those chefs, celebrity chefs, you know, even people who I think maybe aren't celebrity chefs or even chefs at all, just that like, that have a good following, maybe a, maybe see sizable following, but just like to cook and just showcase what they're doing, like their lifestyle basically. Mm. Even people like that too, who would like something like this, like plantains, I think would be a good fit as well to just say, hey, try the product, you know, and mm-hmm. give us a review, like give, mm-hmm. give us some feedback, what do you think? And can you endorse this product as well too, if, you know, if, mm-hmm. it, if it fits within your um, purview of, you know, what you think you'd like. Yeah, totally. Yeah, do you, you you probably don't know health, nut, nutrition. Matthew Varga um, and his partner, she is huge on YouTube and does like, you know, healthy kind of foods and that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'll just make a quick introduction. Who knows? Maybe there's something there that they can kind of share what you're doing, kind of spread the word. They have a a huge social media following. Um, Yeah, because that just seems like a natural thing to find communities that already would like you. Uh, because you're a very likable person. So that works for your business. And then like this product 
to just share it because the other way to grow the business, and I'm sure you know all this stuff, but for us was um, doing paid advertising at first. So like we mm-hmm. had to find the offer that we, cause I don't know if there's one particular product that you find is selling the easiest. So for us, we found what people seemed to get attracted to was a very simple real estate investing approach. It wasn't even the one we had the most experience with at the time, Okay, but it was just buying single family homes, renting them out, and then offering the tenant the option to buy the property at the end of a three-year lease if they wanted to. Okay, And you didn't have to do renovations, there was no flippings, it was a nice, easy kind of real estate investing strategy. And we led with that because from our marketing, even though we had flipped properties and done student rentals and knew all this other investing stuff, that was the one people responded to. Is there one, pro- like what products are you selling on your website right now? So right now it's just frozen plantains. Okay. We have them in three different cuts. We have the round, we have the cubed or the diced, and we have the oval, the oval shape. Okay. So it's just three, it's, the, it's essentially the same thing. It's just three different cuts. Presentation types. Presentation yeah. types, yeah. And some people typically use some for like, for example, like I know some people actually use the cubed, the cubed ones for smoothies because it's like small chunks. You could easily fry mm, them makes up. Sense. You, could, you could sorry, easily throw them into your, your smoothie blender and chop it up easy. However, though, some people also use that those diced cubed ones as croutons in salad. So Come um, on. they're a little like maybe say like what uh, ten millimeters yeah. um, in size, length all around, and they're really like just like nice little chunks. So think of croutons, it's like, you know, like breads and just like little chunks as well too. If you fry the plantains up, um, maybe with like a bit of salt and just some oil, like they come crispy also. And so it's like a good replacement for your croutons in your salad. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. And so there is a lot of education here because that sounds brilliant and I had never heard of this before. Right. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's so many applications that you could use plantains for. Where are you so so how about the process of sourcing your plantains? Was that difficult to get going? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit challenging because again, like we can't really find optimal ripe plantains. And so I had to like really reach out to like people at the Ontario Food Terminal because typically if you think of plantains, these are all coming from either Guatemala, Ecuador, Mexico, some, you know, most mostly South American countries. Okay. Because um, we just can't grow them here just due to our climate, sure. right? And so it's like, well, how can I actually find plantains that are good, that are, you know, mm-hmm. also like premium quality, grown on a good farm? And honestly, just the internet, Google, you know, Google just being my friend, just searching, searching, searching and calling up people like, hey, do you guys have plantains? Where do you source them from? Like which country, you know, what's the process of sourcing those plantains? Mm -hmm. And then can I then buy from you after I find out more information? But it's just picking up the phone and calling. But one thing that helped me also was, so again, we had the idea since what, 2013? I think around like from 2018 to like 2020, 2021, I did a lot of that research and that groundwork and like calling people to see, okay, like where can I get them sourced from? So that kind of helped me when I launched in 2022. And I didn't have to do all that same research work because I already had the answers from before. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I know this company, ABC, they have plantains. They're, you know, they're a good company I could work with. And it seems like they have good supply. I'll call them up and reach out to them and see if they can just, you know, give me a, maybe say two or three cases to start with. And then from there, grow, grow, good grow. For you. And you know, I found, then we came across another supplier also like about maybe say a month ago or so, we just stumbled upon them, you know, randomly. And I was like, hey, cause I saw their truck and I was like, looks like you guys actually have plantains in the back there. Cause it was open. And I was like, hey, can I get your number? You know, I was with my cousin, she got his number. We called him like, hey, you know what? What'd you guys sell? And it was like plantains and other um, produce as well too. Like, hey, what's the price point you guys are selling them, selling your plantains at? And it was actually cheaper than where we were buying it before. And we're like, 
hmm, okay, we'll give you a try. And so just by, you know, stumbling upon awesome. him at this place, we just, you know, got a new contact, got a new supplier, and so far he's been great. Mm, good, yeah, good for you. And I, I didn't ask you the obvious question. Why plantains over bananas? I, I think it's just, again, coming back to that. Um, Is there a nutritional difference no, or well, taste difference? Both, actually. There's okay. a nutritional difference, and I can walk you through that. So taste, first of all, um, I know you probably would not, couldn't really taste it as much as you would taste it if it was maybe, say, fried or cooked in a different way in the smoothie. But typically, they're less sweet than a banana. Um, you'd have to cook them before you eat them in most cases. So typically, I fry them up, um, just pan fry with some oil, and I eat them as a side or even just as a whole. So they definitely taste different. Um, now, if they're on the greener side, they're more savory. If they're on the yellowish side, they're more sweet. So it depends on what texture you prefer or your palate, right? Now, on the nutritional side, so let's just even compare um, 100 grams of bananas to 100 grams of plantains. Um, as far as calories, I think what maybe say bananas have like maybe say 23, plantains have about maybe say 45 or so. So there's, there's you get more um, oh, wow. calories from, you know, same grams of plantains. And you you need calories. We'll talk about you working out at the gym in a little <laughs> bit. You, you need calories for what you do. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's also good carbs too, right? So um, I think also you have about probably a 10 to 20 um, gram differential between plantains versus bananas on that scale of 100 grams of either or. Um, vitamin A, vitamin B6 as well too, it's like by almost a thousand fold more value in a plantain versus a banana. Mm. So it's not that bananas are not good, it's just that I would say this is an upgraded banana, if you would call it that. Got it. Yeah. And then different communities, so like Mexicans eat these. Yes. Someone was just talking, we were talking about El Salvadorians eat, eat these. So basically, yes. Latin everyone outside of everyone Canada, basically. North America, essentially. And so everyone right? outside of North America. Yeah, Asia, yeah. Africa. Oh, Asia as well. Yes, they, they do. Damn, so these are all around the world. Yes. Huh. Oh, man, I'm, I, I'm so naive to this. This is ridiculous. No, but don't feel bad. I, like, I mean, it's just... I guess it's just the society that we live in today, right? Like, yeah. we just aren't aware. Like, I mean, and it, that's just where my mind goes to like, oh my gosh, there are so many different populations in Canada and the Toronto area. If there's a big Mexican something going on where you can present this, and if Mexicans are already educated on this, it just, there's a, like a market sitting there waiting to know about dodo foods. Yes. You know, you know what I mean? They're already educated on this thing. You don't have to educate these guys. And that's something also very interesting that I'm coming to learn also, and I've learned over the last two years. So there's the market that already has the education. They know what it is, right? Within that market, there's a subset of people who are, hmm, call it, say, they like things a certain way, or they, they're hesitant to change. Oh, got it. When so they, they see frozen plantains, they're like, oh, they're not used to it. Why? Like, yeah, like, oh, I just buy it fresh. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. like, even for me, like, right, yeah. growing up in Nigeria, like, I don't have to flash freeze plantains. I would probably never do that. If yeah, you're just going to get some fresh ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yes. <laughs> but come over to this side of the, of the world, right? You, we just can't get them, right? And it's like, well, if we can't, then, well, there has to be a solution. And this is one thing that we've seen to work. Again, those folks who, that subset of people who are resistant to change, they're like, well, it's not fresh. It's mm, Got it. Okay. And here's so the thing, a right? Studies have shown it's a huge misconception. Frozen versus fresh, they're almost sure. Exact. I know now. Yeah, well, and I now think we now know, right? with berries and stuff, there's more nutritional content in some of the berries that are frozen instead yeah. of sitting on a truck and picked before they're ripe. And I think that has that has 
gotten better over time because now we have better technology to actually freeze at optimal levels, right? Because now in, in the case of berries, right, it comes off the tree and like within maybe either a couple of hours or the same day within a 24 hour period, it's getting straight to the freezer, like to, to get frozen, right? If it's just fresh, it stays on the truck for a couple of days. In the dark. Exactly, right? Yeah. That, um, process of getting ripe or the ripening process has already occurred more They don't even time, smell right? right. You know, when you smell a berry from coming up from California on a truck, you smell it. You're like, ah, it's not the same as an Ontario it's, berry. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. different. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So there's all these other parts that people don't see, like at, at the grocery store, that that process, right, from the farm to your table has occurred, but you don't know exactly what that has and what effects it has on the nutritional content of what you're eating. Whereas if it's flash frozen within maybe say hours after it's been plucked, that value and that nutritional value is stored at that time when it's flash frozen. And that's the benefit you get from eating frozen products. When you're going to a farmer's market, I imagine a lot of people there are new to plantains at farmer's markets. Yeah. What has been the reaction there? Wow. Like, well, there's been a couple, I think one, like we didn't even know what this was, or I think most folks, there's a camp of people who have tried it before. Maybe they were on vacation to maybe say the Caribbean. Yeah, totally. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know, somewhere in yeah. Latin America. Yeah. Like, well, I've had plantains in, in Peru. I'm like, but I've never had them here. And I'm like, well, now's your chance. Like now you can. And I think here's the thing to your point that you said earlier, like most people know that they can get them here, especially the ones who've tried them before. But they're like, I don't know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to make them. Like I see them in the grocery store right next to bananas, but then I don't know how to make them. And I don't want to go mess it up and not have the same taste I got when I was in Jamaica trying out plantains for the first time. And so I'm like, well, that's why we're here. We can actually help you and educate you and give you easy step-by-step -step recipes to follow at home. And also like in most cases, if you've had plantains in the Caribbean, it was probably ripe. It wasn't green. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're selling today. Like it's the ripe ones. It's the ones that are sweeter, that have more, more flavor and texture. That's what people really want. And so that's what we're giving to you right now. Let's just take it home, cool. try a few recipes. And yeah, I wonder if this market for someone like me, I'm making smoothies all the time. I dump in like some protein that I get from uh, Radix from Dan. Right. Um, and I'm putting in bananas and stuff. You're, you're right. That's an easy way for some people like myself who are new to this. I'm like, oh. Okay, I can just get, I'm using frozen blueberries and strawberries already. Exactly. So it's an easy kind of thing to add into that. Yes. So where now with these, I'm just curious on your kind of marketing journey here, are you doing anything on YouTube, social media yet? Is that something you're trying out? Not yet. So social media, we just have our presence there. We, we post, you know, maybe once a week okay. or so and try to do more. Ads, not yet. We're actually working on that. We're, we're actually even working on optimizing our website right now. So maybe see in a few weeks, it may not look like how you've seen Got it, it today. Um, but we're working on all that now. And I feel like now is the time again, like I said, this is that crucial moment of, you know, that first full year of being in business. We have to like mm -hmm. lay the foundation and then build from there. Do you want to leverage your personality at all in this business or are you intentionally not? And the reason I'm asking is because you have a very likable and approachable style to yourself and the way you present yourself. Have you thought about using your own personality to market this business as a piece of the marketing? When we started, the, hmm. there's a concept in some businesses and it's something we learned from some of our mentors that when you're new in business, you can do the branding, of course, do the branding for everything that you're doing, but people are attracted to other people and they're attracted to other people's stories and they buy from other people. They don't necessarily buy from just the brand in and of itself when the brand is very young. Right. So you can leverage your personality in the business 
And when people come to know you and like you, they're more likely to buy from you. So something in this business that Nick and I started with, it was us on the YouTube channel. It was us talking about this, us like explaining, hey, it's Tom and Nick here, we're sharing this. And that really worked to our advantage early on. Now that we've been in business for about 15 years, people come into Rockstar and they'll mention Rockstar Real Estate, or they might not even know myself or Nick. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning, it was like the Tom and Nick show. Right. So they would come in and say, oh my gosh, Tom, I saw, you know, you do this. I want to work with you. So I wonder if there's an opportunity for you to leverage your personality. Um, it's an asset to you in this business. Mm -hmm. Just talking to you. Thank you. So it's something to consider, but some people just don't want to. They intentionally just are saying, no, I'm going to kind of lead with the brand and I'm going to be behind the scenes and kind of push this brand out. Yeah. Um, I have thought about that. Um, and I think it's great because, again, thank you for the compliment. And I would love to use that, you know, to even help grow the business. I just haven't been intentional about doing that. And it's not that I don't want to. I'm all for it. You know, like if, if that can give me, you know, an advantage, I'll take it. Yes. And I just haven't really, you know. Sort it out. Yeah, it might be something you want to listen. It's your business. It just worked for us. And that's why I'm sharing it was like it was a it was a bit of a cheat code on the marketing because so many of our competitors at the beginning, if I reflect back, first of all, I never thought there was competitors. Like you're doing your business, you have your brand and you know, like Dodo is going to have its message and appeal to its customer. It has no competition. The way you're gonna represent it, there's no real competition. You're doing your thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in business, you have direct competitors when you really are coming with really from the heart and good intent. But something that worked with using our personalities that differentiated us so much because other people in real estate would hide behind their logo. Right. They would make a, a branded website, get a nice logo, and then they would kind of hide behind it. You never knew who was behind the website. So there wasn't that like natural human connection right. where we were like, hey, man, it's us. We're not perfect. We're trying our best. We'll teach you everything we need to know. You yeah. know, here's how to do this real estate thing. And it just built a lot of trust with people. Whereas our competitors, again, they were, I think sometimes humans feel a little bit um, like they have imposter syndrome. Like, who am I to be speaking about this thing? I can't go on, you know, a video and talk about this stuff. Like people are gonna make fun of me or I'll say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So there was a bit of that. And then some people just wanted that professional look and felt if they were just talking on a, you know, a video that they were doing, it didn't kind of convey the professional approach of the brand that they wanted to. Whereas we just ignored all of that stuff <laughs> and kind of went out there, waved our, our hands around a little bit. Yeah. And it, uh, I think people got a sense that we were coming from the heart our intentions were pure in this and it really really helped us and I, I that's the only reason i'm mentioning it because you have that in talking to you it just might be an asset that you have as a business who you are as a person and uh well look how i met you um just at the gym first of all you're doing psycho workouts anyone anyone who thinks they're doing a workout and then sees femi do a workout you're just like you're just put in your place immediately well, because femi's no no you're <laughs> Sorry, you were like destroying things in the gym, like in a good way. And uh, and I was there working out with Mike. I'm like, who's this guy moving around some weight really fast and, and quick? Um, and then just talking to you within like a couple minutes, it's obvious, you know, you're a good person and kind of easy to, to chat with. So you Thank just you. have that about you. Again, it's an asset to the business that to me, most people ignore. And it's something not taught in an MBA. Sure. It's never discussed in university, but out on the streets, that's uh, something that really works. Right. Um, anyway, just something potentially you might want to keep I might, on. No, I definitely would 
keep that in, in mind, yeah. Since we brought up the gym, I, I do want to ask about this. Mm-hmm. How the hell have you become this fit? And where does this come from? Like, wh- what the heck can you describe? Because <laughs> I think I saw you doing, what were you doing? You were doing like, to me, I thought it was like heavy cleans or decent heavy clean and jerks, burpees, Jeez, I row. Yeah. I don't know. You were doing some, it was like a combination of cleans, I think, and rowing and burpees or box jumps. And you were just smashing it. Um, where does this all come from? How long have you been working out and why are you working out? Um, I've been working out for at least maybe say oof, 12, 13 years, okay. I think maybe 14 or 15 actually, yeah, I'd say since 2009. So why did you start? <laughs> so back then, honestly, it was just, hey, just get the muscles. You just want to look good. Attract, attract you just look girls. Good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> honestly, if we're being yeah, honest, yeah, that was, that was, yeah, yeah that's sense. what it was. Like at the time I was like, yeah, I just want to get the muscles and look, look Okay. Attractive. So and how the discipline to keep going? I, well, I wasn't disciplined very much shortly. I, like I think for about maybe say from 2009 to about maybe say 2011, I would say yes, I was disciplined because I had a different motivation at the time right to look good to you know have that appearance i think in 2012 or so i think you know that kind of switched out I, I wasn't really you know just caring about the appearance it was more like you know now fitness like okay how do i actually stay healthy and fit doing this like exercising and doing workouts and so that's where the shift changed um and i found that i was it was a lot harder at the time to just be consistent. So I would still maybe go, maybe say a couple of times in the week. And then maybe like, see, after like a month or two months, I'd maybe like take a week off or two weeks off, or just like, you know, fall off the wagon. Again, I was in school, but you know what? There's always some excuse, right? And I didn't always have that follow through and that consistency, you know, for a while, like in 20, from 2012 to about maybe say 2016, I wasn't always that consistent, but I was still going, I was still working out, right? So I had a good base either way. Um, and then I think from 2016, you know, I came across, um, a guy who had a boot camp, then I was going to Good Life um, in Mississauga. And um, he looked like he was doing something really, really good. It was different workouts from what I was doing, you know, in the past. So I was like, hey, I want to give this a try and just, you know, see what the results would look like. And it was, I think, a six week boot camp. So I gave that a try and I was like, you know what, sign me up for the next one again. So I did it 12 weeks straight back to back, got amazing results. And I was like, you know what, he also combined like nutrition as well too in that whole plan. And what were some of the movements in the boot camp? Like what kind of things were you doing? In the- um, we had, um, I think wall balls were in there, um, battle ropes. Okay, so it was different um, it was, than just yeah, going just to the going gym, like doing bench press bench, and some yeah, triceps. Lifting, exactly, yeah, okay. like your, what, traditional bodybuilding, yeah. It was okay. not that. It was like like mixed up into different things, right? Like some cardio in there as well too. We used the rowing machine a couple of times. So it was very, very, it was definitely varied um, movements throughout the entire boot camp. And so I liked that format of training. I was like, this is fun. Like it, it's hard, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It makes me, you know, push myself, but I, I do like it though. It's still good. And so... Um, I did that and then again 2018 i kind of leave toronto and move out to ubc yeah. to vancouver for school and so i'm still working out but it's i go back to like my traditional style bodybuilding weightlifting that sort of thing and then i come back to toronto this is now 2020 um and we have well COVID happens and thankfully my sister is also a personal trainer she's also all about fitness she's even more oh, awesome. fitness oriented than i am now and I remember when I moved back, because I didn't have any place to stay, I was staying with her and her husband at her house here in Oakville. 
And I think it was probably from about maybe say March, April, she was putting me and her husband through workouts at home. And it was like, it was just fun. It was fun, but it was a grind. And she'd like push it like, go, go hard, go hard, go hard. And so, you know, I had, you know, again, I was still working out there. So I had, again, a good foundation even throughout the, um, throughout the lockdown during COVID. And then I didn't want to go back to the gym, like to a traditional gym after that. I was like, you know, I want to try something different. And I don't know how I stumbled upon this, but I came across CrossFit. Um, I guess it was maybe through YouTube or something. Oh, I think actually- Here we go. Here the, we first, go. the first time actually was in Vancouver because there are a few CrossFit gyms in Vancouver, mm-hmm. but I didn't really look into it. I didn't even go to a class. I just kind of came across it and I was like, oh, okay, this looks interesting, you know, you know, check it out some other time in the future. And, you know, and then YouTube shows up and I'm like, hey, this is CrossFit. And then I think at the time, because that was 2020, so I guess it was the games, right? It was also summer, I think summertime, I think there was like part one of the 2020 CrossFit games was happening at the time. And so I came across like a video on YouTube. I was like, hey, this looks intense, but fun also. And I was like, hey, I want to try this out. So I was watching more videos on CrossFit. I think I watched a few of like the documentaries as well on Netflix. I was like, hey, this is crazy. This is insane. I got to try this because I'm always like, what, wanting to do crazy stuff. And so, um, as lockdown was easing up, I think in July of August of 2020, I was looking around for CrossFit gyms in, in the area. So I came across a few others and then I came across Radix as well. And I was like, hey, let me give this guy a call and just see if I could, you know, come for a class. Oh, got it. Okay. So you just walked in. I just, well, I uh, called for, I think I sent an email or I called first. I think I'm not sure. But I know I got a call back from Rachel and she was like, hey, like, let's just talk and see like, you know, where you're at fitness wise, what drew you to CrossFit, et cetera. And so I just, you know, told him my story. And she was like, yeah, she that's competed at the regionals at one point for CrossFit. Right. I, yeah. I found that out, you know, maybe about right. a year. I was like, I, yeah, oh. I went to go watch her. It was at the International Center. Holy shit, man. She was crazy. That wow. was crazy stuff. So you spoke to her. Yeah. Holy, what a small world. I, I know. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I came for the first class, uh, I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I remember that day. So we, uh, for that, for that. Uh, Who did you meet? Tyler at that point? So I met, yet? I mean, I met Tyler for sure. I met Tyler. I met Mark. Oh, cool. Um, Once you meet Tyler, you're never forgetting Tyler. You can't, you Tyler's like know. the best trainer I've ever come across. Right. I, yeah. I, yeah. He's, he's the best guy. And I met a bunch of other people who are still there today, which awesome. is great. And I was at the 6am class also. And. So when you say Mark, Mark Mulder? Yes, Mark Oh my Mulder, gosh. Yes. This I met- is time. Mark was just here with Anthony DeGazon, who I guess you don't know, a longtime client of ours. Okay. He runs a music school. They were just here because on the side of what they both do for their full-time lives, Mark's a grade school teacher, teacher. grade eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony runs a music school with his wife. They're teaching financial literacy classes to kids. Wow. I don't know if you know That's this, and they're just no. kind of launching this out. Oh yeah, you got to ask them about it. Yeah, okay. it's great stuff. So they were just here talking about this. Oh okay, yeah, just last week. So nice. what? Uh, yeah, freaky timing. So you met Mark. <laughs> yeah, holy smoke. And Rachel, just so you know, Nick dragged me into a gym. I didn't go to the gym until I was forty. We started this business, and I was I had I kind of stomach problems. I was eating like garbage. Mm-hmm. And Nick, who has to go to the gym six days a week, otherwise he can't, <laughs> he can't live. He can't live. Yeah. Yeah. He um <laughs> he said, hey, you should start going to the gym. He dragged me to this gym. He was going to because he was bored with the weightlifting. So he went down the same path you went okay, to and right. he found Rachel okay. and where she was before, before Radix. Right. And, uh, he's like, come to this gym. I went there and, um, they put me through a little assessment. I think I deadlift You're, you know, Femi, you're just going to laugh at this, No, but I, de- I think I deadlifted a bar with 25s on the side and my back that's 95 pounds. Right. And I did it, you know, three or four times and my back started seizing up and, oh, no. uh, I told Nick, I go, Nick, I don't know if I can do this, man. Like I've never gone to the gym before. Like I'm moving this weight. And he looked at how much weight I had on that deadlift bar. And he goes, 
you don't admit this to anyone. You don't even, tell, <laughs> you don't tell anybody. You don't tell anybody your back is sitting up Here we with are. 95 pounds on that bar. Okay, you just do not admit that. And I was like, holy shit, man. And now obviously I know how, how light 95 pounds is. But yeah, I couldn't do a single pull up and Rachel stuck with oh me. My. She tied that green elastic band to my foot and to the bar and it helped me doing a pull ups like, you know, I couldn't do one. And then the day I got one pull up by myself. Was Amazing. Like, so she stuck with me. She taught me how to nutrition nutrition and diet and the whole she's, thing. She's great at that. Yeah. She's amazing. And she yelled at me a lot, <laughs> but, uh, that's freaky that you, uh, you got her on the phone. Yeah. Okay. So then you go there and then you start doing some CrossFit style workouts. Yeah. But here's the thing though. So again, again, I've been working out since I was what, since what, 2000 yeah, a while. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I, I'm good. I'm fit. I'm strong, you know? And then I think it was either the first or the second workout. I think it was, um, 150 cows. Um, on the rural machine. Oh. I almost, I, I feel like a piece of my soul is still on that floor and will always be on the floor in Radix. Just because then your ego kicks in. Right. You're like, I could do this. And I was dying. I was, I was the last to get off the rural machine. Yeah, were like, you? But it was great because everyone came around and just cheered me on, right? And that was a great feeling that I, I've never had before. Oh, cool. Right? So yeah, it was a great, great community there. Great community. Absolute great community. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, that's pretty humbling. I think uh, we go and do something like that. I think that's what attracted Nick to it too, because he's been working out since, I think it's since his jaw was broken. He was in a, a, a friend of his, they were at a bar downtown Toronto and a friend of his got into a fight with someone and Nick kind of oh, stepped no. in to, to try to like break up the, 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 fight. the fight. And one of the guys there grabbed a beer bottle and smashed Nick across the jaw. Ouch. And um, yeah, we thought he thought he had a loose tooth, but then the next day we found out his jaw was broken. He had to go have surgery right away. They wired his oh, jaw he, shut. He didn't even know. Like, he didn't even know. He went home and went to bed. And then he got up the next day and he goes, I think I have a loose tooth. We went to the dentist and they're like, we just took x-rays. Your entire jaw is broken. We've called emergency on your behalf already. Go there now. <laughs> so we went there and the surgeon met with him and said, listen, we have an open spot on this, you know, in the surgery room, you have to decide right now if you want to hope that it heals okay, or we're gonna, we're gonna like wire you shut and, you know, kind of level it up to make sure it's, it, it heals properly. But right now. Right now. So he's like, we looked at each other and we're like, well, we don't know anything, but I, it sounds good. So uh, <laughs> he went in and I think I called our parents and said, hey, your son is having surgery right now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he was, I guess he would have been around to maybe 20 or something. And that, I think that moment set him down the path of going to the gym and stuff. I think he just thought, oh my gosh, like not as a way of protection to get like bigger. I just think he needed, he, he thought, uh, maybe I need to, to make some changes. And the gym was one of them, one of the ways, you know, and then he mm -hmm. just always started going, but then eventually got bored and found all the, the whole, uh, crossfit, CrossFit kind of yeah. world. But, uh, cool. So you're doing that. You have Dodo Foods now. How are you managing your time? Are you keeping you know you keeping yourself? It's a, it's a lot, man. Website it's, development, yeah. trying to talk to people, coming here to do the podcast, cash flow man. Like when I say cash flow management, when you're starting a business, it's just about survival, it's, it's, man. Just paying the yeah, next bill as it comes in. You're so right. Yeah. So, oh, geez, there's there's so much to unpack there, right? Like time management is 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 huge and has been one of the things I think I've struggled with, like in the last say six months now that I quit my job um, last year. And cause like there's, it's like, there's just always so much to do and there's never enough time, right? What I found though is that I have to pick, and I've learned the hard way because I try, like I try to do everything, you know, all at once or whenever I can, and I just can't. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, you know what? There's just, you can't even sustain this kind of habit or lifestyle. You can't, 
you're not even going to have the drive to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can so break I, you, man. It can break you. Yeah, so I had to make a decision to, you know, just write, I always create a list of things I need to do and things I need to get done. And either beside them, I put a star on what is most important because I have at least like six different things. And I found that I can never even get maybe half of that mm -hmm. list checked off, even in a day. I'm like, what's going on? Like, there's just so much, right? Things that come up that day as well that maybe you have to respond to or get you know, get a resolution for before the next day. Um, and so it's just really be more mindful, I guess, and prioritizing those tasks up front that we know, okay, if I get this and this done today, that's fine. You'll feel good. Yeah. To get things done, the biggest thing that worked for Nick and I would make that list, then pick the things that we knew we had to do, but didn't want to do. You know, the stuff that you oh. know have to get done, but that you didn't want to do, we would pri prior prioritize one or two of those for the day. And I would get a timer out and I would set a timer and say, okay, I have 90 minutes to get this item done. And that was it. And I would look at that timer countdown and it would force me to get the work done. And originally some, I would just stare and do nothing for like 30 minutes. But then when you saw that timer counting down, I'm like, holy shit, I need to get this done now. Yeah. And that really helped us. And then we would just do that day in and day out. One or two items that we knew had to get done that day that we didn't want to do. We do those first before checking email, before responding to text messages, before looking at our phone, before checking any sports news, anything. And that really saved us. And I did that for years and that created enough momentum in this particular business mm -hmm. to help us. But yeah, it's the biggest thing as an entrepreneur, you're, you're, your you're dragged time. in. So yeah, right. your time dragged in so many directions, man. Yeah, um, no, I like that. I think it's what we call it eating the toad first. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Toad, got it. Is there a book yeah. on this? Brian Tracy I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think it's Brian Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Eat, eat the toad first. Yeah. Um, so on Dodo Foods now, if someone was to go there, mm -hmm. they can order um, product. It's frozen. It comes in a package. So it comes in a, something that's keeping it frozen. Correct. Upon, yes. upon delivery. Yes. You're delivering right in Ontario across. Can, what is your network to deliver? Right now it's the GTA. So GTA. Yeah. So if you're in the greater Toronto area, you can order Dodo Foods. Um, the delivery uh, takes, I guess, a few days, standard delivery time. Less than even because it's frozen. So we try to get it out as soon as possible. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Okay. And in most cases, we just we just sort of like compile the deliveries till the weekend and just do like home deliveries just on one day. So on awesome. maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday. Okay. And then is are you roping in any family to help you out in this or is it absolutely yeah. yes? Like <coughs> shout outs to my cousin. She's been by my side since pretty much I guess like January, like from the get go, right? And like at the market, you know, even helping me in the kitchen, producing, maybe doing some experiments as well, trying out new recipes. She's always been there. And also like my sister and, uh, and her husband as well. Like they've been there all the way, just supporting me at every event that I go to. Oh. Femi, and I'm not um, paying them anything. You have such a, it's such a cool story that you're doing here. And especially if the family's involved in marketing, the, the, the biggest assets that you have as a business owner are stories of your life. So what we found, if you ever need something to talk about, and again, I'm just trying to share what's worked for us. Yes. But if you get out a blank piece of paper and you write out all the most meaningful things that have happened in your life, the things where you maybe kind of almost shit your pants or scared you or were intimidating, but you got through it and just write out all those things and talk about those stories in your business. People get really attracted to those kinds of stories and it really helps make a bond with the business. So even though it's not about plantains, it's a way for you to communicate to an audience. And if they hear, 
you know, like how difficult it might have been to go to make a decision to leave the Toronto area to go to UBC or how difficult it was as a 15 year old to come to Canada and what you learned about that. If you can thread that through your communications on your website, I'm telling you, I'll promise you, you are going to build some solid connections with customers through those stories who will also then buy plantains from Dodo Foods. Right. I just know this for a fact because I've seen it in our own business. Mm -hmm. And most business owners don't realize the stories of their lives are the biggest assets when it comes to marketing their business. So the fact that you're working with your cousin, yeah. you know, and your, your, your sister's doing workouts while you guys, you know, <laughs> yeah. are, are living together, like all these things um, can be incorporated in the business. And most people don't, um, don't leverage it fully. My two cents. I'm just. I'm just I'm, trying to share I'm, what I. I, I all for ears. Like, <laughs> give me more than two yeah, cents. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, cool. Anything else that uh, you want to share that we haven't uh, covered yet about Dodo Foods? Where you go next? Let me ask you something. Yes. You seem like a really thoughtful guy. Are there um, a set of principles that you choose to live life by? You're a young guy. I don't know if you've thought this through yet, but is there a way that you like to live that kind of works for you or a set of principles you've identified that work for you? I'm putting you on the spot here, Femi, so I apologize. No, that's fine. That's okay. I'm okay being on the spot. Um, well, I'm a man of faith, so I believe in God and I try to do everything that I try to do. I make sure I want to root it first of all in God. So I pray, I usually pray about it, I read the Bible, and I, I serve at church also. And it's just my way of giving back. So that's for me one principle, like being able to give back and serve, where like you don't expect or get anything in return. I think it's just for me, it's something that gives me joy and just makes me more fulfilled in life. Um, the second thing I would say as far as a principle is just leading with kindness. I think, you know, the world we live in today, there's just so much, like, you know, yeah. tightness, rough, like anger as well, too. And I think just being a bit more kind. And for me, this is also like me talking to myself. Like, I also just need to be more kind, how I treat myself and how I treat other people as well, too. Mm, how you treat yourself. That's important. Yeah. Oh, you, do you catch yourself sometimes being too hard on yourself, not being fair to yourself? I think so. And, you know, I'll give you an example. So there was there was a day I was out with my cousin. I think we were either looking for supplies or something mm -hmm. for the business. And um, we couldn't, I think yeah, it was planted. We were looking for to get mm -hmm. some cases of plants. This was maybe a bit early on um, this year. And I think we ended up getting, I think one or so cases of plantains. And I think that was all we kind of like accomplished that day. And she was like, hey, like mm -hmm. this is this this is great. And I was, in my mind, I was like, mm -hmm. no, like, no. Like, I didn't feel like I was accomplished. And I felt like I should have done more. Like either like, you know, like, made up a plan or just like, you know, maybe do some more marketing or like just do some like sales activities, like call people or like send a couple of emails as well. And I just didn't feel like I was accomplished, like at least in that day for like the tasks I had finished. And I, it's, I've seen it happen so many other times in my life where like, you know, I've done a couple of things and people are like, yeah, like this is great. Like this is good. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's I'm just not being kind and gracious to myself or if I have just, you know, I think, well, first of all, I have a high standard that I've set for myself. Good. But I don't know that I don't think and I, now I don't believe that I can always hit that every single day. Um, I it's think a slippery it's, slope. It's, it's right. you know, I, I because you want to have that high bar. Like Nick and I live by a principle in business building, especially early on, that every day we had to make now money and do something for future income. So we needed income today. So we needed to make the sale, ship the product, 
you know, whatever it was that day to make income. But that same day, we had to do one item for future income. So for us back in the day, blog posts were really big. Now it's more videos and podcasts and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it would be if we didn't do a new blog post or send out an email to our client list, our customer list that day to not make a sale, but to just invest in the relationship and offer something of value to our clients, knowing that that type of value generation would get us future income because we were building our relationship that every day we had to make now income and we had to do at least one thing that would make us future income. Mm. And we've always lived by that principle. And then the days that you didn't get that done, you can't be hard on yourself. And Nick and I probably, Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. And I, I want to give you one quick example. We were trying to fill a property early on for a guy from British Columbia who bought with us. So he wasn't local. It was in Hamilton. Okay. And he bought the property. And I promised him that we would get a tenant for him. And I forget the amount of days, like within one month or, or maybe it was one week. It was something like I, I gave way too short of a time. But I gave my commitment, trying to start the business, like I overcommitted. Right. And uh, it was a snowstorm, and we had some tenants calling us saying, hey, are you still coming on like Tuesday night or whatever night it was to show the property? And I said, yeah, yeah, we're absolutely going to be there, knowing that I had to fill the property for this guy. Mm -hmm. He needed the money. He needed some income coming in. He wasn't like super well off. He had bought this property, trusting us. Right. And I told him, gave him my commitment, we would find a tenant. And I guess it was, it must have been, I said a week or something, which I never should have said. I said it. We go down there, snowstorm, uh, leave from Oakville, get to Hamilton, highway's a mess. We pull in, snow on the driveway's huge. People are, about, are on the street waiting, though, to see the property. Nick jumps out of the car, and he was like a human snowblower. He grabbed just, a shovel and just started <laughs> shoveling a path. He's basically made an entire little narrow path to the door, and then it hits me. I forgot the keys at home. Oh no. And I saw the people there in the snowstorm who were eager to get in. My brother's there carving the thing and it just all hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm letting my brother down who came out here. I'm letting these people down who came out here. I'm letting this client of ours down that I'm, you know, I'm not filling his property because now I let all these tenants kind of come out, but they didn't see see it. Right. And I'm letting my family down. And I remember driving home that day. I'll just never forget on the QE double thinking like, what am I doing? Like I'm letting everybody down. Like I am failing here. Like this is horrible. And I kind of remember catching myself like saying, okay, I better get out of this mindset because it's a dangerous kind of mindset if you get into a bit of a negative cycle. And luckily I kind of, you know, just washed it and said, okay, I'm going to pick myself up that Saturday. We went back out, we found a tenant, we signed it, you know, they moved in really quick and we kind of sealed the deal. But I can see if you're too hard on yourself, sometimes you can get into this like negative, and I'm not saying you you do this by any means, but I can see how people do. Yeah. And you kind of have to catch yourself. And being an entrepreneur to me is one of the loneliest things you can do in life. Because no one knows like how difficult and the pressures it is and yeah. what's going on in yeah. your mind. Right. It is a lonely place. Yeah. So Femi, you got to take care of yourself. Thank okay? you. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm being more mindful about that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. So where would people go to find you to buy some plantains? What, what's the next step if someone wants to support you? Right now at www.dodofoods.ca. That's our website. Um, check us out on Instagram as well. The handle is dodofoods. That's D-O-D-O foods with an S C A. Oh, Dota Food C A yes. on Instagram. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, Instagram and Facebook. Um TikTok. We we do have an uh, an account. We don't really post much there though, but you know, part of the work in progress. Yeah, cool. 
excited to uh, watch you from, you know, kind of the sidelines and, you know, anything that we can do to support Dodo Thank Foods you. and Femi Man, we want to. I just love the journey that you're on and I know it's difficult. Yes. So just keep talking to people. Like it's not a smooth path. It, no, you know? it's not. No. But you know what, though? I feel like it's it's rewarding, though. Like, yeah. you know, my sister was asking me um, maybe like, what, two weeks ago or so. She was like, how has it been? Like, you know, like six, seven months now in, you know, like, do you miss your nine to five? You know, and I thought about it for a second. I was like, actually, I don't, you know, like not that I again, I didn't hate my job. Right. It wasn't like when I was, oh, I hate my job. So I'm quitting and I'm doing this. No. I loved the job I had then, you know, but like, I just feel so good about this. And I'm the kind of person too, who sees, you know, the glass half full, right? So I'm always very optimistic. Um, also being real at the same time, not delusional. I think there's a bit of delusional, of course, in every entrepreneur, sure. you yes. have to have, yes. you have to have that. You gotta be a little crazy. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm enjoying it though. Like cool. it's hard, like, like it's a struggle, yes. And it is very, very hard. But I feel like, again, I think it's coming back to like your life, your terms. I'm doing what I actually want to do, mm, right? Awesome. On my own terms, right? I think there is no better feeling than that. I feel like just doing exactly what you want, when you want to, not because you have to. So cool, man. Oh, that's giving me chills, Femi. Very cool. Thank you. Pleasure to cross paths, man. You know, we're just getting to know each other, but really feel blessed and grateful to cross paths. Thanks for coming in and, and sharing your story. I appreciate and that, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Only good times ahead. Only good yes, times sir. ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Femi. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Femi. You can find all his products at dodofoods.ca. That's D-O-D-O foods, plural. So dodofoods.ca. And you can follow him on Instagram at dodofoodsca. That's dodofoodsca on Instagram. And if you are listening to this and you want to hang out with other exciting people who are doing exciting stuff, you can become a Rockstar Inner Circle member and come to the three events that we do a year where we group people together who are taking action right here in the greater Toronto and Ontario area and you can learn all about becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.